Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. Visual leadership, if you look at the way the word is spelled, it's basically a single word with a single capital L. And the idea behind this, I got the, um, actually got the trademark, US trademark on the word visual leadership. So now it's a registered trademark. So it's not just my brand, but the concept behind visual leadership is that how you lead is inseparable from how you see the world. Right? So you're, we talk about it in two ways. One is your vision of the world shapes how you lead, but also as a leader, you need to think about what is my vision for the future, right? So it's basically looking backward, where did I come from and how did I get here? And it's also looking forward in terms of where are we going and how are we gonna get there together? So one of my mantras is, how do you get people to see what you're saying? Todd is the CEO of Big Blue Gumball, a New York-based firm specializing in leadership development, public speaking, and executive coaching. He is also a three-time award-winning adjunct professor of leadership in the Human Capital Management Master's Program at NYU and a lecturer on leadership at Columbia University. Todd is also a TEDx speaker and the author of Visual Leadership. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Very excited to be sharing some ideas and listening to some great insights from Todd. How are you doing, Todd? I'm great, Enrique. Great to see you. Great to uh, visit with you and just catch up and, and talk about visual leadership and HR and whatever else we have on the table. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really excited about our conversation because I, I've been reading the book, Visual Leadership, and I know it's a lot about leadership, but also communication. Yeah. And I, I, really would want to dig deeper into this communication aspect of, of this visual leadership, especially because of what's going on right now. When, when organizations, the workforce, business leaders are demanding much more communication from, well, from the leaders and more transparency and more honesty in the way we communicate either hard decisions or anything for that matter. So why don't we start describing perhaps for for our listeners and people who watch the video, what is visual leadership? Sure, visual leadership, and if you look at the way the word is spelled, it's basically a single word with a single capital L. And the idea behind this, I got the, um, actually got the trademark, US trademark on the word visual leadership. So now it's a registered trademark. So it's not just my brand, but the concept behind visual leadership is that how you lead is inseparable from how you see the world. Right. So you're, we talk about it in two ways. One is your vision of the world shapes how you lead, but also as a leader, you need to think about what is my vision for the future. Right. So it's basically looking backward, where did I come from and how did I get here? And it's also looking forward in terms of where are we going and how are we going to get there together? So one of my mantras is how do you get people to see what you're saying? 
right? That's the foundation of everything you do, whether you're in HR, technology with the CEO or, you know, a parent talking to a child. How do you get the other person to see what you're saying? How do you get an image, a vision, a concept, an idea out of your head and into someone else's? That's basically what all the, the, the book is all about. So it's about visual thinking, but also about visually communicating. That's fantastic. And let me ask you something, and I may be pushing the envelope a little bit here, which I know you love, and, and uh, it's going to be a very uh, you know, interesting conversation. You, you're saying that your vision of the world as a, as a leader helps you frame or shape the way you lead. Yeah. What happens when that vision of the world is perhaps not the right one, right? And I'm, I'm asking you this question because, well, you know, we are right now dealing with a lot of uh, you know, political, social, economic unrest in the world, and some leaders are doing the right thing, whereas others are, you know, holding us back from progress and change. So how, what, what happens when that vision that you have is making you lead in the wrong way? Yeah. Well, continuing the metaphor of vision, right? Your vision could be blurry. You could be nearsighted or farsighted, right? Sometimes if you look at the world through a microscope, you're looking down and deep, right? If you look at the world through a telescope, you're looking out into the future, right? So just in terms of what are you seeing? What are you noticing? What are you looking at? And on the cover of my book, you'll see there's a rainbow eye. The rainbow represents two things. It re represents diversity and inclusion and belonging in all its forms, right? Seeing the world from multiple perspectives. It also represents innovation and creativity, you know, you know, thinking about things in a colorful way, right? That's one way of looking at the eye. But one of the concepts I've been talking about a lot recently, and this is kind of relates to what you're talking about, is the idea of flipping the eye. Flipping the eye means primarily when we talk about leadership vision, it's about your vision as a leader and how you see the world. Flipping the eye is, works in two ways. One is flip it around almost like a mirror, and you need to look internally to yourself. You need to look inside at your heart, your mind, your belief systems, we need really to question why do we believe what we believe and maybe it's time to make a change right we also the other component of flipping the eye is can you see the world through the lens of others can you see the lens through the eye the lens of the world through the lens of the black lives matter movement can you look at you may think oh i don't have to deal with covid because i'm a teenager i'm not in a you know in a, in a high-risk class can you see the world and covid and and precautions from the point of view of the others i was in a supermarket the other day and the guy was not wearing a mask and i said he actually had the mask on, but it was around his chin. I actually said to him, you know, why aren't you wearing your mask? And he said, I'm wearing my mask. I said, but the way you're wearing it, you're not helping yourself or anyone else. So you basically, so a lot of times we do things symbolically or we go through the motions. We really need to look at ourselves and not be selfish and say, you know, my, it's what I'm doing, helping myself and or the world. And if not, maybe we need to look in the mirror and flip the eye and say, you know, maybe rethink our belief systems. That is powerful. And, and of course, I'm guessing that that needs a lot of self-awareness, if you will, yeah. or, or whether you have it yourself or you build the conditions for others to help you become more aware of either your shortcomings or your you know, blurry vision, uh, yeah. you know, following the metaphor of uh, yeah. visual leadership. So how can leaders become more, in, in, you know, under the concept of visual leadership, how can leaders become more aware of the things that they could potentially do better, but they are not. Yeah, well one is again, to look in the mirror, look at yourself, right? And question your own belief systems. Try to see things from the point of view of others. Like let's say you're in HR, right? I, and you put in an HR policy because you think it's gonna help everyone. Are you looking at it through the lens of marketing, technology, finance, right? All the divisions of your company from the top down. 
are you putting yourself in the shoes of other people and saying, you know, it sounds like a great HR policy. And, so, and then you wonder why there's a backlash against it, right? Because you didn't talk to people, you didn't listen. You know? So a big part of my book is storytelling, leadership storytelling and visual storytelling. We also do, need to do leadership story listening. We need to listen to other people's stories. We need to ask them, you know, here's a story about my experience. Let me hear your experience, right? And again, there's going to be, because of diversity, none of us is going to have the same life story, right? Bill Nye, the science guy, has a quote that I love. It says that every person you will ever meet knows something you don't, right? We all, <laughs> wow. right? It doesn't matter where you are in the totem pole. It doesn't matter how much education you have. We can all learn from each other, right? So, if we're not listening and learning, then as leaders, we're basically stagnating. And one of my other phrases I use in the book is, in an ever-changing world, if we're standing still, we're falling behind. So if yeah. you just do things the way you've always done them and believe the things you always believed, the world is passing you by. Things are changing out there. You just have to put on the news, depending on what channel you watch, of course. Um, but you'll see that there's a diverse world out there with a lot of people struggling, and whether it's financially or socially, economically. We need to be more sensitive, empathetic, compassionate, and maybe do some things differently that are not self-serving, but are other-serving, which is basically what leadership is all about, or supposed to be, right? This is fantastic. I, I love your idea, by the way, of not only storytelling, but story listening. I think when you look at some of these organizations that talk a lot about the skills that we need for the future, the World Economic Forum, the Institute for the Future, McKinsey and whatnot, always you find in the top 10, most important skills for the future, listening yeah, and yeah. communication, which is, which is really interesting, right? It's, it's both of them. You need, yeah. you need the balance of, I'm going to follow your, your, your concepts, story listening and storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's, it's very powerful. I want to dig, of course, very deep into the how we do this. Mm -hmm. But before getting there, I want, to respond, I want you to respond to another question, and it is okay. the why. Why visual leadership? Mm -hmm. Why, why should anybody be thinking in images, in, in visuals? Why, why does that matter? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to get into the brain science because, one, it's too complicated and it's beyond the, the, the scope of my knowledge and experience. So there's a lot of books out there like Brain Rules by John Medina and other books on how we learn that really go into the parts of the brain. On a really practical level, I sum it up in three ways, three words, and I actually talk about this in my TEDx talk on the power of visual thinking. So if anyone wants to just Google the power of visual thinking in my TEDx talk, I uh, talk about the background behind this. But the three words are attention, comprehension, and retention. And they kind of rhyme, so they make it a little easy to remember. Attention, when you use visuals, whether it's a visual image or a visual story, you capture people's attention. They will focus on what you're saying or what you're showing them, right? If I hold something up, you're looking at it. Like if I hold this up, tell me your first reaction, right? You have no idea what I'm going to show you, right? You're going to have no. an emotional response to this picture, right? Uh, that's for a few. I'm, I'm looking at the virus for everybody listening. I'm looking at a picture of, of, a, of a virus, uh, you know, the, the COVID-19 virus, right? Yeah. Yeah. So six months ago, we never heard of this thing, right? Yeah. Now we see it and it strikes fear and terror into our hearts but just by seeing this <laughs> disgusting red module. It's actually something that's invisible to the naked eye, but when you blow it up, micro, you, know, you magnify it, you see it, and this thing, this little thing that we can't even see is causing so much havoc in the world, right? So think about the things that we are seeing and the things that we're not seeing. This is a, a literal, tangible thing, a virus, but when an idea goes viral, you know, that's one of those metaphors we've used for years, right? Oh, I, want, I hope my video, I hope this goes viral, right? Now going viral has a little different now that we've experienced the pandemic, <laughs> It's not the fun, friendly, lighthearted metaphor that we use, right, when we talk about going viral. Yeah. 
So attention. So that was the first one. When you use a visual image or visual language, you capture people's attention, you grasp their attention. The second one is comprehension, which is about understanding. When you use a visual, again, visual language or visual imagery, people will understand. Like if I explain to you New York, I, I live in New York, right? So if I say, oh, I'm on the Upper East Side and it's in between the East River and the Central Park, you may be, if you've never been to New York, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if I hold up a map and I say, this is where I live, you can see the park and you can see the river, it's like, okay, I see what you're saying, right? The power of a visual captured your attention, but now it increased your understanding because now you could visualize it in your mind's eye, conceptualize what it looks like, what it seems like, what it feels like. And if you think about it, a map is a mental model, right? It's not a physical thing. It's a visual representation of reality. And an HR equivalent of that would be an org, an org chart for your company, right? If you have an organizational chart, you say, oh, here's the CEO, here's the reporting structure, here are the relationships. That's a visual representation of, of roles and responsibilities. So right there, that's a mental map that helps to improve, increase understanding. And the third one, retention, visuals help us remember. It just activates a different part of our brain than words and text does. So if you show someone a picture, they're going to remember that years later more than if you gave them a paragraph to read. So attention, comprehension, and retention. So that's why visuals, that's why they're so compelling and so impactful, again, without getting into the complications of, the, of how the brain works. But our brains are just wired for stories and we're wired for visuals. So this is the real one image is worth more than 10,000 words. Exactly. Uh, putting practice into leadership. That's uh, exactly right. I, I, I love that, you know, and I'm, I'm actually trying to think if in my career, I have ever encountered anybody trying to explain things in a more visual way. And I think, you know, this is very empirical, of course, but, but I, I, I can remember some leaders trying to convey a message in a way that make other people feel that they can not only visualize it, but maybe, maybe even touch that one thing, that imaginary yeah. thing, right. That is being depicted by, by the leader. And it's powerful because it does, yeah getting your mind and stays there for, for quite a while, huh? Yeah, yeah num numbers don't motivate people, right? So many people get up there. I've been in a lot of company town halls and they just present all the, here's our numbers from the last quarter and people fall asleep two seconds into it. Tell <laughs> yeah. us the story, right? What do the numbers represent, right? Numbers out of context and without meaning and the story behind it are meaningless, right? So as HR people, as business professionals, we have to say, all right, why should this resonate with people? Like, if, example, if I say I have a 250 average, 250, out of context, you may either say, I have no idea what that means, or you may think, oh, that's your baseball or softball batting average, which is just okay, it's not great, or it's your bowling average, which is great, right? 300 is the highest. So that number 250 means nothing without the context of what I'm describing. Classic example, Steve Jobs, when he announced the iPod, instead of saying this holds five gigabytes of data, he said this holds 5,000 or 10,000 songs in your pocket, right? Yeah. The gigabytes don't matter to someone who's not, not a technology person. To be able to say, I, carry, I can carry my entire music collection around in my pocket, that's unbelievable, right? So how do we translate numbers and data? And that's why data visualization is such a hot topic right now, right? How do you represent data in a way that people can see what you're saying? Yeah, I, I love the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the metaphor and, and the quote by Steve Jobs, who you know, I think was a master in yeah. translating these, I, these complex ideas, te technical ideas into something that people can visualize. Another person, you probably looked into his life, you know, Albert Einstein, he would always, he would always convey these very complex physical yeah. uh, uh, principles into images that people can yeah. really feel that they would understand. So, so, I, so I understand the why. And of course, one thing that would be 
that, that's very important is to dig into, into the how to do this. Yeah. So my first question to you about that, Todd, is what kind of skills would leaders need in order to be effective in their, in their, in their visual leadership, if you will? Okay, great. Yeah, I break it down to four categories. And what people realize is they already do these things. But once you're aware of this list, you become more aware and astute. And you realize when you do it and when and how skilled other people are at it. And also you could start doing it more intentionally and more strategically. And we also need to think about well, who are audiences, right? You mentioned Einstein. There's an art and a science to simplifying complexity, right? We, we live in a complex, messy world. It's not about dumping, dumbing things down. It's not about stripping them of their nuance. It's about simplifying something in such a way that pe people can get it and see what you're saying. So regardless of our job, we all need to be able to do that, right? So I break it down to four categories. One is using visual imagery, which includes pictures and drawing, right? That's why we use visual PowerPoint slides. That's why we demonstrate things. That's why, um, like for example, if you were, would you buy something on Amazon or eBay if there was no picture attached to it, just based on the name of the product or the description and just trust that that's what it's gonna be? Of course not. Would you link yeah. in with someone who sent you a LinkedIn invite that didn't have a headshot on it? Who is this, if you didn't know them, yeah. who, who is this person, right? Yeah. Um, research has shown that a blog post that has an image attached to it is being read, I forget the percentages, but you know, 20 times more than one without an image, right? So again, that's the power of imagery to just draw us in. So I, I also, if you're in a meeting, can you get up and grab a marker and sketch something out on a whiteboard? Can you napkin sketch something, right? So you, even if you can't draw, and I get into that to my book, because you don't have to be an artist. If you could play Pictionary and Charades, you could communicate visually, right? So it's body language. It's also, you know, if you could do a stick figure. So that's the visual imagery one. The next one is using mental models or frameworks, right? Whether it's picture Maslow's hierarchy of needs, picture a SWOT diagram, picture um, a four box time management matrix, right? We use these all the time. Simon Sinek, start with why, the golden circle, right? We all are familiar with these models. Can you take your ideas and put them in a model? I did my first TEDx talk last year called The Power of Visual Thinking. I was supposed to do one in May, a second one. It was canceled because of COVID. Hopefully, I'll do it next spring. But the title of that was called The Magic of Mental Models, hmm. how we can think inside the box in order to think better outside the box. That's the concept behind it, right? So if you could take the complexity of life, simplify it into a model so you could see it more clearly, you can explain it to people, you'll see solutions that you didn't see before, then you take it outside the box and you implement that idea. So that's the second one, mental models. The third is using metaphors and analogies to say this is kind of like that, right? If, you know, here's a real life example from, from a, here's an Enrique Rubio example, right? One of the things that you once said is hack, in your role at Hacking HR, my job, I am a bridge builder. Yeah. I build bridges that other HR people can walk across. And I love that, right? So just picture that. You're building this bridge to form connections. And there's three C's that came to mind. Connections collaboration and community. Those are things, and communication. So it's a fourth thing, right? So by building those bridges, you're helping to build this community. We could collaborate with each other. We could communicate with each other. And by connecting, we could change the world, right? So just that metaphor, I love that, um, building a bridge. Because I had a book in college called Bridges Not Walls. It was a communication yeah. <laughs> book. And it talks about how communication can either connect us like a bridge or divide us as a wall does, right? Yeah. So how you communicate, depending on how you speak and how you listen can do what the same bricks could build a bridge or build a wall so what are your thoughts as you think about that metaphor of building bridges if you want to like take what's your picture of that you're asking me yes well, you know it is it is it is a you know bridges and, and walls literally you know it's, it's literally that i you know it's a it's having one 
say one island that is separated from, from mainland, but you communicate and you get in touch with, you know, like the, the Keys in Florida, right? You go to the Keys in Florida by driving through bridges. There's yeah. no other, I mean, there could be other ways to get there, but that's the way we, we, we do it. So yeah, yeah. Um, that to me is the power of that image, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, and you're connecting people all over the world. So it's not just locally. So it starts with local communities, but as the communities connect, there's a global movement going on where we're all talking to each other. And now when we yeah. leverage a technology and Zoom, you know, you're literally a free Zoom call away from anyone in the world. I've done anyone. podcast interviews with people in Sydney, Australia, and London, and I was on a webinar in Hong Kong the other day. It was 12 midnight in New York. It was, it was 12 noon in Hong Kong. <laughs> and I'm talking to these people. It's like, and then I had to get up for a call in London five hours later. So it was noon. So I said to Sonia day, I was in noon in Hong Kong. I was in noon in London. I went back to sleep and I got up for a meeting in noon in New York. So I had three noons <laughs> within 12 hours. Um, but that's the world we're living in today, right? No sleep and a lot of connecting with people. So those are the three first three categories. The fourth one is visual storytelling, painting a picture with words, right? What do we mean by visual storytelling? If I tell you a story, you envision it. Stories are human. They make connections. They're emotional. They resonate with people. So if you're a boss, if you're a manager and you say, do this or don't do that, those are just instructions. But as a manager, if you say to someone, let me tell you about the worst mistake I ever made when I had your job. Do you think that person's ever going to make that mistake again after they hear that story? Right? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> right. And also sharing your story, what does it do? It makes you vulnerable, human, right? And it, can, it makes it bonds you with people, our stories. I was doing a workshop on the art of storytelling for a group of CEOs in New York. And one of the CEOs said, oh, I hate storytelling. I'm terrible at storytelling. And I said, why do you say that? And he went on to tell this great story about why he was so bad at storytelling, right? So everyone started laughing. It's like, that was an amazing story. So here this guy put this... This, we put up these limitations on ourselves. We're supposed to be so amazing at it. We compare ourselves to the greats, the Albert Einsteins or the, you know, the, the Steve Jobs. Martin Luther King Jr., right? He said, I have a dream. We talked about vision earlier, right? He didn't say, I have a PowerPoint presentation. I don't, I, I don't have a 500-page you know, strategic plan that I want you all to read and memorize. He said, I have a dream, right? I have a, I have a vision of the future that is different from and better than the current reality come along with me. Let's make this vision a reality, right? So that's probably, if you want to really learn about what visual leadership is all about without the use of slides, just watch and listen to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech because his use of language, metaphor, imagery, it's, it's the classic. It's the one that we should all emulate and aspire towards. Absolutely. And I see, I see a powerful connection here between visual leadership and an inspiration, if you will, because what you, now that you're using the metaphor or the example of Martin Luther King, I, of course, I'm thinking how inspiring the I Have a Dream speech was. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing that part of, your, part of the idea of putting the concept of visual leadership ahead and forward is also for leaders to have the capacity not only to communicate effectively, but to inspire people yeah. to do things, right? Yeah. Yeah, I use three E's, educate, engage, and excite. Educate is what do you want people to learn and to know, right? That's the informational component. Engage is how am I going to capture and hold your attention? Because if you're bored, if you drift off, if you're on your phone, you're not going to hear what I'm saying, right? And third is excite. That's what you're talking about. How do I inspire people to take action, right? Every, what do you want people? I always say at the end of every conversation, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or a podcast or a speech in front of 100,000 people, what do you want people to think? feel, know, and then ultimately do at the end of that message, right? If there's no action item, then it's, all right, that was interesting, but so what? So there should always be a call to action, um, and you shouldn't be inspired. And, and Dale Carnegie, I, I'm a big fan. I, I was actually a Dale Carnegie trainer earlier in my career. Um, one of the things he says that 
the only way to get someone to do something is to get them to want to do something, right? So it's all mm. about influence and inspiration. I could get you to do something by force or coercion or trickery, deception, but that's not sustainable and that's not going to, they may get compliance, but it's not going to get commitment, right? You can force people to wear a mask and penalize them and find them, or you can inspire them by saying, it's the right thing to do. It's the human, it's the moral, it's the ethical thing to do. And just like you wouldn't want someone to make your grandparent or your parent or your child sick, if you, you know, so we need to kind of like create, use empathy and compassion to inspire and motivate and change behavior as opposed to force or, or other, other means. This is, this is really powerful. And of course, Todd, one thing that, that I definitely would love for you to address is how to use visual leadership in the context of uncertainty, crisis, and difficulty. Because one of the things that I observe, and I, of course, you know, I talk to hundreds of people all over the world because of Hacking HR, one of the common places or the common themes that come up all the time is how important it is to communicate effectively the decisions that businesses are making, yeah. the difficulties that they're going through and whatnot. So how, what's, what's the link, the bridge, going back to the idea of bridges, yeah. what's the bridge between visual leadership and communicating in times of crisis? Yeah, I mean, we, we need to communicate well at all times, but crisis, it's escalated, right? It's magnified and it's, there's a sense of urgency. And um, one of the things we talk about is a, from a leadership perspective, and I teach, we can talk about it, I teach leadership in the HR master's program, human capital management graduate program at NYU, as well as in a number of programs at Columbia. And one of the things we talk about is the difference between urgency and panic, right? As a leader, and also as you think about these four quadrant matrix, urgency versus importance, right? If something is important, we need to make it urgent so that it gets our immediate attention. But if you make it too urgent and you create panic, it actually backfires on you, right? Pa panic, getting into the brain science, our fight, flight, or you know, our fear centers are triggered, right? Fight, flight, or freeze, right? We become paralyzed within the decision. So that's our challenge as leaders is how do we create a sense of urgency but not panic and get people to realize the consequences of not acting. Not taking an action is a decision, right? Not making a decision is a decision you've made that doesn't get you anywhere. Um, we talk about VUCA all the time. So for those who may not know, VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, right? So we've been talking about VUCA and the future of work for a long time. We are now living in a hyper VUCA world. It's VUCA times a thousand, right? So it is more volatile than ever. You just put on the news. You see what's happening in Portland. You see what's happening with, in New York or all over the country, Black Lives Matter movement the crises in hospitals, right? Trying to just, you know, uh, one of my other visuals for those, uh, here's another one I'm holding up, flatten the curve, right? Six months ago, we never even heard this phrase before. Now no. flatten the curve. We all know what that means. So even if you nothing, know nothing about viruses and you know nothing about hospital healthcare system capacity and you don't know, you don't know anything about statistics, that phrase flatten the curve is a, is a metaphor, it's a visual image, and it's a mantra that means that that gets us or, or inspires us and motivates us to change our behavior. Because if we don't, we are going to overload the healthcare system, right? So here's a phrase, flatten the curve, that didn't even exist a few months ago. Now we talk about it here every single day, right? So in a VUCA world, when things are volatile, as leaders, we need to find a way to calm them down. When things are uncertain, we have to acknowledge that we're all as uncertain. No one knows what's going to happen. I'm teaching my NYU course in September. We're still on the fence between this is going to be in person or online, right? So how do you plan, especially when you're like me, obsessive compulsive and a, and a huge planner? <laughs> yeah, I need to plan my spontaneity two weeks in advance. That's how, uh, you know. <laughs> so 
So how, in a world of uncertainty, how do we deal with that, especially when we're like planners and we, we need as HR people, right? We're putting in policies, procedures, and processes to protect people, a lot of P's there. Um, how do we do that when the future is unknown? It's unwritten, yeah. right? Complexity, things are more complex than ever and um, ambiguous. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity. We're getting mixed messages all the time, depending on who we listen to. The White House says one thing, Fauci says something else. Another one, here's another image. This is my third of my trilogy. I'm showing Enrique a light switch and a dimmer. One of the things that the metaphors that Fauci used, Dr. Fauci said that coronavirus will not, and he said this back in March, it will not be like flipping a switch. It's not like, oh, starting September 1st, we're over. It's going to be more like a dimmer. We're going to open things up, but we may have to dial things back, right? So we're constantly calibrating in different parts of the country, right? So that just that metaphor of is it a light switch or a dimmer is a metaphor, metaphorical way of simplifying complexity and helping people understand and make better decisions. So right there, that's a long answer to how do we deal with the situation that we're living in right now. It's, it's, a, it's a long answer, but it's a powerful answer. And, and I appreciate you connecting all the response of how to manage communication in terms of crisis with the idea of, of visual leadership. So this, this has been fascinating and taught us as we wrap up the conversation, I want to ask you the same question that I ask everybody at the end of my podcast. And that is, what are you the most excited about the future? And what are you the most concerned about the future? Um, that's a great question. I was not prepared to answer it. So I'm just going to go with my instinct. Um, visually, please. Oh, visually. Oh, visually. I'll, I'll use the visual language. In my book, my book is dedicated first to my wife, secondly to my parents, and third to all the horrible managers I've ever had in my life. Because without <laughs> them, none of this would have been possible, right? So I learned more about bad management and leadership from horrible bosses. So my mission and my passion is to make the world a better place one leader at a time. And the way I've discovered to do that, that kind of differentiates my approach, is my visual leadership approach, right? It's like getting people to see what you're saying with empathy and compassion, looking at things from other people's point of view. It's not just about you. Years ago, it was all about you start in the mailroom and you work your way up to the corner office, right? That was the old career path, the old model, right? There's no mailroom anymore because there's no mail and there's no email room, right? We're not even in an office. And people today, do you really care about a corner office anymore or do we have other priorities in terms of work-life balance and flexibility and working from home and building team? One of my themes is managing and leading in a post-COVID world, right? All the rules have changed. We've gone back to zero. Now what? Right? We need to figure it out. So my biggest passion is helping people navigate that based on my 30 years of experience managing and leading and teaching. The thing I'm biggest concerned about is that people will go back to the old ways of doing things or not realize, regardless of when COVID ends and when things settle and hopefully Black Lives Matter will lead to positive change, it's going to be a new world. It's a brave new world and there's going to be new rules and we need to kind of, the tendency for all people, and John Cotter talks about that with his eight-step change process, right? The tendency is to go back, to, if things don't stick right away, to fall back to the old ways. And the old ways yeah. aren't going to work anymore. So my concern is there's going to be a battle between old ways and new ways. And I think as HR people and the future of work, we need to help lead the way as, in a strategic way and be partners and not just the company police or the implementers of policies, but we need to be thought leaders in our organization. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I share that concern. And, and we know that no system that is in change will ever go quietly. You know, there's going to be a lot of yep. work for changes to happen. And that's what we're seeing in our social, political and economic systems in the world. And, and we see it in companies as well. So I share the concern of, uh, you know, things, you know, some people and some 
some systems pulling us back to the way things were before, which were not working for everybody. So, yeah. so Todd, thank you so much for sharing your answers with me. And I'm loving this idea of visual leadership and, and using images, metaphors for people to pay more attention, to comprehend better the ideas that are being shared. And of course, to, to, to keep them in the memory for longer time. So Great. thank you so much for, for being with me today. My pleasure. Thank you, Enrique. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.